Okay. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes on the subject of acknowledging Him. Him, of course, being God. Um, Jeremiah 32.27 is the first verse I want to look at. And it says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too difficult, too hard for me? And of course, all of us Holy Ghost filled turned on to Jesus faith talking. People say, no way. Nothing too difficult for God. You know, it's, it, it, in the good times, it's easy to respond like that. <laughs> but I have to tell you, Sometimes our thoughts and our actions kind of portray that like, uh, yeah, well, maybe this is a little too difficult for God. And it's not. There's nothing too difficult for God. You know, most of us have times when something comes against us and we're like, oh, glory to God in Jesus' name, by his stripes I'm healed. Every need is met. I'm the head, I'm not the tail, I'm above and not beneath. Can you lift your hand and shout, praise the Lord, somebody? All right. And I call those the now faith times. You know, we read in Hebrews uh, 11.1, now faith is. I call those the now faith is responses. But sometimes we're just kind of like, oh, God, help me. You know, and it takes everything you've got in you just to say, I trust you. I believe you. I acknowledge you. And sometimes it's not with 50,000 shouts and amens and the choir it's it's in those times when we're struggling. I think you, John Griner, in those times, he lost his wife a few years ago. And thank God, God has turned things around. He and Crystal are getting married. They're going to live happily ever after. But he went through some stuff. I mean, we buried our daughter last September. We, that was not easy. But you know what? God is faithful. He is faithful. He is more than enough. And our responses to the question, is there anything too hard for me, can often be determined by Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. Say that. Acknowledge him. One more time. Acknowledge him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I'm not acknowledging that any politician or anybody else is my salvation in all my ways. I'm acknowledging him. He's the only hope this country's got. I mean, I hate to burst your balloon if you think otherwise, but that's the bottom line, baby. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And I just want to look into this a little bit tonight and put some practical application to this verse so that we can just kind of do a little checkup on ourselves to see if we are really acknowledging him. That verse starts out saying, trust in the Lord. Now, what exactly does trust mean? You know, I could ask you for definitions in this room, and I'd probably get a dozen different ones, and they'd all be right. But... 
I looked it up in the King James Dictionary, and it says confidence, a reliance, or resting of the mind. Oh, isn't that a good sound? Resting of the mind. Resting of the mind. Sometimes that's the biggest battle to get to the place of resting of the mind. Resting of the mind on the integrity, justice, friendship, or sound principle of another person. When you know somebody really well, you trust them. You kind of know, if you've been married for quite a few years, you kind of know what that person may or may not do in any given situation. You trust your wife. Now, you believe in your heart that she is loyal and loving and sane. <laughs> Joe, what'd you say? I'm, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> when Melanie and I get together, <laughs> oh well, we won't go there. Anyway, but it's important. I want to give you one little wisdom point here tonight to take home with you. M- Never trust crazy people. (laughs) Never trust crazy people. (laughs) But we we trust our mates. You you trust your wife. How long, Frank, Ruby Ann, you've been married? Fifteen years. Uh, Marie, you and Jerry, how long you been married? Fifty-four years. See... I could feel like I could safely say tonight that they trust each other. I don't believe that Frank or Jerry are sitting in the service tonight thinking, Oh, Pastor Pam, I'm trying to concentrate on your on your message, but I'm telling you what, I don't know what that woman's going to do. When I fall asleep tonight, Ruby Ann or Marie, they're lovely to put on a miniskirt, sneak out to the bar, and get him a 25-year-old boyfriend. Now, I don't think, I, I, I think they can, their mind is resting in the fact that that's not going to happen. Amen, guys? All right, good, good. Well, God can be trusted. Psalm 112.7. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. I, I mean, I am like when I set my mind to something and I plant my feet somewhere and that's on the promises of God, I'm fixed there. And I am fixing to go nowhere else. I'm fixed there. Something that's fixed is rigidly set in place and cannot move or vary. My heart is fixed, trusting the Lord. You ever use concrete to sit uh, fence posts? They're they're solid when they're in that concrete. Now, when the hurricanes come down here in Florida, sometimes maybe not, but for the most part, what my point is is that we have to be fixed like concrete in our hearts, trusting in the Lord. In the uncertain times of this world, there is a place that we can fix our faith, where we can anchor our lives, and we can live stable. But we need to be acknowledging Him in all our ways. Now I'm back to my definitions, guys. I loved these definitions of the word acknowledge. 
Number one is report the receipt of. Report the receipt of. We used to sing in church, Whose report shall you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. His report says I am healed. His report says I am filled. His report says I am free. His report says victory. You will always live in the reality of the reports that you receive and believe. Always. Your reality, your perception will always be determined by the reports that you believe and receive. And in whatever attack or temptation or persecution or sickness, financial crisis that comes your way, you need to report the receipt of the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the stripes of Jesus, the promises of God's word pertaining to your victory in every area of your life. Number two, express recognition of the presence, the existence of, and the acquaintance with. I'm going to read that again. Acknowledge, definition number two, express recognition of, The presence, the existence of, and the acquaintance with. You can look up and you can say, no, I know, Lord, in spite of anything that's going around me, going on around me, I know you. I know you love me. I know in whom I have believed. I know that God exists and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I know this. Number three, express obligation, thanks, or gratitude for. Express obligation, thanks, or gratitude for. You see, I willingly obligate myself to God. I willingly praise Him. I willingly express my gratitude to Him. Because He's worthy. He's faithful. He loved me back from nothingness. And gave me a new life in Christ. Psalm 5 verse 3. In the morning, O Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will prepare a prayer and a sacrifice for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. I made a commitment. I heard Benny Hinn read this verse, and I made a commitment. If anything goes crazy when I walk out here, I'll go back to being Lassie on a lease. But um, I heard this, Ruby Ann. In the morning, oh Lord, you will hear my voice. Do you know that I do not like to talk in the mornings? Yes, you do. Anybody that's close to me, I, you know, I'd prefer it if nobody even talks to me till one o'clock in the afternoon. If I schedule appointments, I schedule them in the afternoon. I, takes me a long time to wake up. Then I like to read my Bible. I like to worship. I like, yeah, but I don't like to talk in the mornings. And, and, and I heard Benny Hinn preach on this. In the morning, oh Lord, you will hear my voice. In the morning, I will prepare 
a prayer and a sacrifice for you and watch and wait for you to speak to my heart. Wow. I started doing that. The minute I open my eyes before anyone else hears my voice, before anything else gets any of my attention, I talk to him, even if it's just briefly. Oh, I acknowledge you today, Lord. I just bless you today, Lord. I love you today. I want, I want my voice to be the first thing that, my voice to you to be the first thing that comes out of my mouth. And sometimes it's kind of sluggish and it's kind of sleepy, but it's okay. My voice, he's going to hear in the morning. My praise, my prayer, my adoration, my worship, my expectancy. These are the things that he's wanting to hear from you. Make a decision. This is, I told you I was going to give you some practical applications. Make a decision. Feel like Billy Graham. Make a decision. <laughs> he will not let you leave until you make a decision. Um, Make a decision that when your eyes open, the first thing the Lord's going to hear, first thing that's going to come out of your mouth, will be voicing praise and thanksgiving to Him. And, like, I need you today, too, by the way. (laughs) I love you, I want you, I need you. (laughs) Number four, accept as valid and legally binding. Number four, accept as valid and legally binding. Binding. Realize that God's word is legally binding. It, I mean, he has victory for every area in your life. And his word supersedes any bad report. It said you will not fear when you hear evil tidings when your heart's fixed trusting in the Lord. His word is valid. It is legally binding in heaven and in earth. And if we're going to acknowledge him in all our ways, his word has to be legally binding to us as well. Uh, I'm not going to turn to this one, but I just want to make reference to First uh, Corinthians six nineteen and 20. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You can't live, and this is my words, not, it's not part of the verse, but you can't live like the world lives and accept what the world accepts. That's a double standard. That's a double-minded man. You are not your own. What makes you think, or what makes me think, that I have a right to do something outside of the will of God and justify it? I don't have that right. His righteousness is in me to do right, to live right. His grace is sufficient to enable me to walk in truth. Amen? Amen. We are to present ourselves as a living sacrifice unto God. Our minds are to be renewed to the perfect and acceptable will of God. You know, we can't be rude and mean to people. We can't just blow up when somebody does something wrong. I mean, I have... Oh, Joe, put a lid on it. (laughs) See that? You can't act like that. We can't act like that anymore, Joe. Particularly not in front of these people that I just preached this to. Come on, bro. Joe and I have this running thing. We just kind of like to tease each other. But where in this wide world of sports was I going? Uh, uh, I better go back up here and look at my notes. 
See what you did. Oh, I know where I was going. Drivers. Oh. Oh. Have you not seen Mr. or Mrs. or Miss Super Spiritual Bible Reading? Tongue talking, devil casting out, mighty word of faith person turn into the highway avenger when somebody pulls out in front of them. I mean, it's like, who, who is that and where did that come from? The Bible says walk in love. You can't be rude and mean to people. I don't care if it's the slowest waitress in Florida, or the, I won't say stupidest, but uh, the most mentally challenged person that you're talking to on the phone who's speaking in, a, in your language, but you can't tell they are. Uh, I don't care. You cannot be mean and rude to people. You've got to walk in love. Now, here's a thought. And Pastor Scarlett touched on this a couple of weeks ago. What about if that bad driver pulls out in front of you, instead of running up on the back of him, glaring at him, flashing lights at him, honking your horn, shaking your fist at him, what if instead of that ungodly fleshly behavior, what if you said, Lord, help that person not to hurt themselves or someone else? And while you're at it, if they don't know Jesus, I just pray that they'll be saved. See, that's called growing up. That's acknowledging Him. It's getting quiet in this Presbyterian church. Okay. You can't get outside of peace. You can't let drivers or, or fa- oh, family members, they can, they can push your buttons. But you cannot let people or situations get you to step out of peace because a violation of peace is a forfeiture of life. Worthy revenge, rage, angry, shoutings, unkindness, unforgiveness, these things damage your health. They mess up your head and they interrupt your communion, your intimate communion with God. You can't afford to go there. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were all so developed in our walk with God that we were never tempted to slap somebody or tell them, give them a piece of our mind? You know you can't spare that, so don't give it to them. Well, we're not there yet. And you know what? I'm under grace. I'm under grace. I am, I am established in righteousness. He has put His righteousness in me, but sometimes I act like a punk. Sometimes, no, I know you'd never believe that. And, and don't ask Him. But there are times when I'll say something to Him and I have to come back later and I say, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I don't know why, you know, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I wish, you know, I was so developed and because of all the grace, I never, I never did anything wrong. But you know, the New Testament is full of instructions telling people how to live and they're all under grace. 
So I think God wants us to know that even though we're under grace, which please do not in any way take this that I am against the grace message because I am not. For by grace are you saved. I'm not against the balanced grace message like what is taught at this church. Okay? Got it? So don't run tell Pastor David that Pastor Pam's talking down to grace. He's a fabulous grace preacher, but he's balanced. He's balanced. And you know what? Even though there are, there's all kinds of grace working in us, there's still consequences to our actions. And sin still has detrimental effects on our lives. And, and we can't just, just excuse bad behavior. Just because you can get away with something doesn't make it right. I remember when I was a little kid. Why, why can't I stay up here? I don't know. Marie, I just guess you just need a workout with that arm tonight following me around. When I was a little kid, Martha Rose, my daddy worked for the railroad. And we could go on train trips all the time. And they were like really, really cheap. Sometimes even free if it was on the right uh, railroad. Anyway, I remember this. When I was five years old, I was on the train. And there were certain things you could get for free if you were five and under. And so... Uh, I, when I rode the train, I'm like, I was this Shirley Temple person. I would go up and down the aisle singing to people and sitting and talking to them and telling them stories and all of this. I mean, you can't imagine all that animation in me, can you? Uh, but I did. I thought I was Shirley Temple. But anyway, the conductors, oh, they would all love talking to me because I was just so friendly. And so... The conductor came up to me and he says like, and how old are you? And I said, I'm five years old and I'll be five again next year. (laughs) Where do you think I got that from? Not from God. (laughs) I was lying to try to save some money, save my mom some money, you know. I was lying. Ephesians 4.25 Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Truth with his neighbor. Just understand this. The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. He is the father of lies. And it is certainly not Father God's influence in your life, if you lie. If you will lie to get a better price... Get a better deal, provide false information to save money, uh, or to get something you want. If you will lie and deceive to get a deal to go through. Oh, well, today they're giving away free pizzas if you're 55. Well, you're 54, so don't go down there trying to get your free pizza. And you say, oh, that's elementary, my dear Watson. No! The Bible says, speak ye truth and put away lying. You know, you can have a seared conscience when you do things that are against God's word long enough. And I looked up, because it talks about that in 1 Timothy 4.2. We're not going to turn there. But I looked up another one of my definitions, the word conscience, seared. what is a seared conscience? 
It says, if the conscience is seared, it is literally cauterized, and it has been rendered insensitive. Such a conscience does not work properly. It's as if spiritual scar tissue has dulled the sense of right or wrong. So the heart of that individual with a seared conscience is desensified to wrongdoing. I have heard Christians brag about lying and getting a better deal. Or, or, or getting something for free or, or whatever. And they'll brag about how well their deception paid off for them. Well, you know what? That'll work for you for a little while. But if you'll lie to get what you want, I don't care what it is. If you'll lie to get what you want, it's, we already read, Satan is the father of liar, of lies. You're going outside of God's will into the devil's kingdom to get one of his tools to bring it and use it for your benefit. Well, get this. If you want to open the door to the devil, he's not a gentleman. He's going to come through in gangbusters. And your children may suffer for your dishonesty, your grandchildren, your wife, your family. But sin has its consequences. Ephesians 5, I've got 1 through 9 down here, but I don't think I'm going to read all of that for the sake of time. But it says, Be ye followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ hath also hath loved us and hath given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a sweet-smelling Savior. And then it goes on to say, put, put away fornication and filthy talking and foolish jesting and um, covetousness and, and all of these things. And then in verse 6 it says, Let no man deceive you with vain words. And in one of the other translations says, Empty excuses. Let no man deceive you with empty excuses, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the children of disobedience. But be not partakers with them. For ye once were darkness, you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. And the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So if what you're entertaining as an option does not fall under goodness, righteousness, and truth, then you better slow down, stop, and say, God, I acknowledge you in this. It looks like I'll get ahead if I cheat on this. It looks like I, I'll get a better deal if I lie about that. But I'm stopping and I'm acknowledging you. You're a better deal than anything that I might borrow from the devil's kingdom to use for my benefit. Amen? Amen. There's things that Christians just shouldn't be doing, places they shouldn't be going. And I mentioned the fornication and, and all these all these things. One time God told me that what he calls abomination, his people call entertainment. They'll watch any kind of filthy movie, violence, anger, rage, sexual assault, and they don't think that has any effect on them. Well, it's not where God lives and it's not entertainment in God's eyes. 
And in closing, I just want to tell you, God is about to pour out an amazing display of his glory. But there's going to be some John the Baptist get right with God messages that are going to be coming out. And you're going to have to smile and act like none of it pertains to you and then repent later or repent when you hear it, whatever. I don't care, but there's going to be some strong words that are going to come out pre pre-revival messages. But Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I just want to ask you tonight, does it feel like God is just kind of turning up the searchlight on your heart? Do the things of darkness grieve you even when the people around you enjoy them? Are you hungry for a communion with God that's more powerful than anything you've ever known before? Has the world lost its glimmer? Are you crying out for a mighty move of God? Do you long to have all that you are totally surrendered and devoted to all that he is? Do you crave to see God's will done more than your own? See, tonight, I'm just going to invite you If you want to, I'm going to read this through once, and then I'm going to go through it again slow. And if you want to say it with me to God, please feel free. I'll read it through first, so you'll know that I'm not leading you in something that you don't want to say. You'll know whether you want to say this or not. Anything that needs to go from my life to make room for more of his kingdom life in me, I say, let it go. Okay. All right, anything that needs to go from my life to make room for more of his kingdom life in me, I say, I let it go now. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Catherine Kuhlman used to say, Gold is not looking for gold vessels or for silver vessels, but he is looking for yielded vessels. And I, I mean, you can't improve on that. You can't improve on that. That's where it's at. Isaiah 60, 1 and 2. Yielded vessels are who are going to see this glorious move of God that's coming. Yielded vessels. Isaiah 61 and 2. Arise, shine, for thy light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. In these days you know, family... You know that darkness has covered the earth. And that gross darkness has just gripped multitudes of people. They don't know if it's right or wrong to kill a little baby. They don't know if it's right or wrong to practice homosexuality. They don't know if it's right or wrong to let turn a little b- child God made to be a little boy into a little girl when they make the decision at five years old. They don't know if child pornography is really all that bad. See, that's a seared conscience. That's a seared conscience. But 
Even though these days darkness has covered the earth and gross darkness to the people, God's glory is being poured out on those who are seeking him. And even when our country screams for leaders who will promote the agenda of darkness, God's glory is still going to be seen on you. And when you, if you, this world is, is, is a inferno. It's burning up. It's burning up. Literally burning up from sin. But if you walked into a burning building and it was full of people screaming, they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And, it, and, and, and I mean, you can read the Bible of how things are going to get in the last days and in the tribulation and, and so forth. I, I'm believing we're going to be out of here before most of that stuff starts. But whatever the case, it's already worse than I ever thought I'd ever see. But if you were in a burning building and everybody was screaming and trying to get out and you walked in and you said, come on. Follow me. I know an exit right over here that's not blocked. We can go out this way. They're going to follow you. So I want to encourage you, church. Let your light so shine before God that people will see your good works and will glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? Amen. Stand to your feet. If you'll put that soundtrack on, um, that... uh, that other one. We're just going to worship God for just a minute. We're closing in just a few moments. But if God wants to minister to somebody, I want you to worship him and just just yield to him tonight. And if you need a miracle, if you need a touch in your body, you came to the right place. Because he's here. He's here. He's here. Worship him. Deserve the glory and the honor, Lord. We lift our hands in worship as we lift Your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor, Lord. We lift our hands in worship. As we lift your holy
that healing that you need in your right foot. I just send the word of God to you right now and tell that foot to be healed. Healed in Jesus' name. Healed in Jesus' name. And that man, you're sitting there in that chair and you're saying, God, I now need to be able to think again. I need to be free of this Alzheimer's. I know the progression of this thing, and I don't want it to happen to me. I speak to that spirit of Alzheimer. I speak to that disease, and I say, loose him and let him go. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jill, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. There is a reward for living your life in purity. You've had opportunities to do things in the world that would have disgusted most Christians. But you've walked away and you've set yourself with God. And the desires of your heart are coming. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just worship him. Let's just worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Nancy and Elena. God's going to heal the division in your relationship. He's putting things back together. Forgive, release, and restore. And I break that generational curse over your lives in Jesus' name. And I speak the unity and life and love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. You're so holy. You're so worthy. You're so wonderful. 
you've been mocked there's times that you've been betrayed there's times that you have been backstabbed but it's time for favor it's time for turnaround it's due season it's due season and God even this year is going to put some things into your lives some opportunities, some ministry things, even things that you haven't thought of. Because he says, I do a new thing, doesn't he? A new thing. A new thing. Just when we think we've reached 44 years old like you and I have. <laughs> By the way, my birthday is in February, and um, I will be... 88 years old in 17 years. <laughs> this is just how I flow. I can be in the spirit and then I can just get silly, but that's okay. You know God likes me. He really does. He enjoys my company. He even enjoys your company, my funky brother. Join hands. Uh, uh, Wit and Joe, would you come stand behind these two? Step over here in the middle of the aisle. I don't think you're going down, but I don't take any chances. You never know. Father, I just release right now upon them the fire and the glory of God like they've never known before. Like they've never known before. And where it's felt like they have been left out, they have been ignored, they have been passed over. God, I believe the harvest time is upon them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And that to the praise of their glory, there will be a new mantle. There will be a new fresh fire on them. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And God has heard your prayers and he's seen your tears. And because of your intercession, those family members that have, I don't say, I won't say worried, but concerned you, God wants you to know that he's turning things around. He's turning things around. He's turning things around. All of you who have children or family members that are outside the will of God, raise your hand. In the name of Jesus, can and Deborah, stand here and rest, rest, stretch your hands out towards all these folks too. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we break the power of darkness over our families. We break the assignments of the devil. We call them down in Jesus' name. We say our family is saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, living for God, serving the Lord. Not one of our family members will go to hell in the name of Jesus. You hear that, devil? You're done. 
You're done. Our families are saved to the praise of God's glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.